How's it going, Eric? Yeah, I'm going really good, mate. How are you doing? Doing well, buddy. Hey, it's been about six months since we've done this, and I'm just trying to learn again how to how to bloody record on Zoom. So uh, yeah. just bear with me a little. <laughs> no, that's that's all good. It has been a while, but um, yeah, at least we've got we've had some good sport that's that's happened since the last time you were up. Oh, mate, there's just been so many, so many things going on across so many different codes, but we can't not talk about the NBA playoffs because that's sort of the front and center right now. And mate, uh, I don't think even you imagine the season the Knicks were going to have when it started with with Tibbs and his little crew of um, players there that bought into his system you know what are your thoughts on on this amazing run um being being such a high seed I don't think anyone expected that having playoff basketball back at MSG and what do the Knicks have to do for next season to sort of start becoming a contender again yeah I mean it's look I remember when the season first started and they won like two games in a row and I started spamming you with texts just going, I think we can make the play in. I was like, I think we can get 10th. I was like, 10th is on. I was like, this is this is what I'm praying for. Because I, I remember like a couple seasons, but like the season before the COVID season, we won 17 games. Yep. And then when we were talking on the pod, you were like, how do you think you'll go next season? I was like, 23 games. We'll, we'll, we'll win 23 games. And then you could see it like the COVID season, you could see things starting to improve, even though Tibbs wasn't there yet. But we, even with the shortened season, the Knicks won more games than they'd won the previous season. So they were starting to kind of get a little bit competitive. But I think it's just this year, Randall just made a big leap forward. Um, he he improved in every aspect of the game. The young guys, they started developing well. We drafted well, quickly looked really good. Uh, mid-season signing of Derek Rose that went better than I think we ever could have hoped for. Um, so it was, you know, it was shocking that we were that high. You know, I was, I was stoked. Like Madison Square Garden is just insane. At least it is until you start getting crushed, and then, and then it's like it's kind of a depressing place again. But oh, it was mate. like it, it was out of control when, like, you sent me that link where basically everybody's partying in the streets when they won their first playoff game. <laughs> And it was like it, it was awesome, like to, to have the Knicks back, where we like have home seating. You know, it's I, I thought it was I thought it was amazing. I mean, I was a little bit I was a little bit worried about how it was going to go because I don't think in a normal season that they would have finished ahead of the Hawks. Like we had we we had a, a little bit of luck, like DeAndre Hunter getting injured and mm. like them having a bunch of injuries um, that slowed them down. Charlotte looked really good until Lamelo got injured. Yeah, the the Heat just had like COVID and injury problems all year. The Celtics decided to like have COVID and injuries and just suck in general for a large portion of the oh, year. So you're just like sitting there, and I was like for the first time we were lucky we were just sitting there just going if we don't get injured this is going to kind of look okay and they they play hard every time they go out so it's like for regular season you never have an easy game against them so they mm -hmm. they upset a bunch of people and and they they overachieved this year which is which is awesome like we're not the laughing stock of the <laughs> league anymore that's back to being sacramento again so it's like <laughs> it's awesome <laughs> i think sacramento missed their title as well so ah oh, yeah but, yeah but anyway we'll, we'll leave the kings um alone for a second i think you know yeah. just hard to hit them while they're while they're down it's just <laughs> 
It's too easy. It's just not worth it. It, Mate, is, the, um, man, it is. Look, I know you got lucky, but sometimes luck's a, a product of, of of design as well. I think the team, they, they just there was no cheating in effort, right? And I think that's what you get out of tips teams and what they put forward. I think um, even, you know, you have a bit of stability in the GM ranks, people who know what they're doing. Everyone sort of looked quizzically at Derek Rose when, when he was coming over and, and Detroit sort of half serious said, oh, you have a better chance of making the playoffs with us um, than going to the Knicks. And, you know, just, you know, Derek's, you know, has been, been fantastic for you guys, finishing fourth, 10 games over 500. You know, I remember how excited you were when you knew you were going to have an over 500 season, which was, you know, unheard of uh, the last few years. And then, mate, just watching the crowds at MSG, um, even sort of I got pumped at the start, especially, you know, game one, you know, the first game back there for the playoffs and and pretty much a packed stadium and and watching these kids who've never seen a good Knicks team and how mm. passionate they are about the Knicks. To be honest, like you even forget that there's a team that's meant to be playing down the road that actually has three of the best 10 players in the whole premier, in the whole NBA. And they just have never been able to galvanize the fan base in, in such a way compared to the Knicks and, you know, like we always say, there's certain teams when they're playing well, it's just amazing for their league. And the Knicks are one of them. I think, you know, a, a competitive sort of in the hunt Knicks team is a great thing for the NBA. And it was just fantastic to see that this season. Yeah, they've been, you know, I, I think you're right. There was no slacking on on anything that they were doing when, when they were playing. Like everybody would go in and play hard. I, I Like they should be really proud of it. I mean, it... It went sideways pretty hard in the playoffs, but the I think it, it's it happened because Trey Young is a ridiculously good player, and he's kind of stepping into it. And we didn't really have an answer for him. Like um, our our main rebounder got injured, so we had no answer for for Clint Capella. So he's he averaged like eighteen boards against us like in in the playoffs and. You know, we we just ended up kind of falling over towards the end. But uh, looking at the youngsters, I, I think there's some I think there's some good talent there. But I also think there's some hard times ahead. I, I expect us to go backwards a little bit while we figure out what we're doing with the with the team because it's like I love Derek Rose, but he cannot be the second best player yeah, on a competitive NBA team. A game not happening. It's yeah. It's it. So we've got to figure out what to do with. I mean, he was probably our best playoff player. Like mm-hmm. Randall, just you know, he he disappeared. I mean, and we're we're kind of a, a one man offense. So once they figured out how to shut him down, we didn't really have anything else there. Like we kind of we played that trump card. It was hard defense and Randall playing well, and then you remove Randall from it, and you're like, oh, we can't score. So we, I think we still did pretty well defensively, but we just couldn't get enough points up to, and, to be competitive. And, and do you reckon it was more that the lights were too bright for Randall or, or that the Hawks were very effective in sort of neutralizing him and, and not giving him what he normally likes to see? Look, I, th- I think it was a bit of both. I think it was, you know, in the playoffs, everything slows down a little bit and you can really dial in on how your defensive schemes and and I think they they knew we needed to take Randall out of the game. Um, I think that the, you know, they, they just played really good. And you see them against, 
the against Philly, there's spots where you look at them, you're like, I have really underestimated how good this team is. So I think them having those injuries earlier in the season, it kind of let them sneak in to that to the playoffs without anybody thinking they were as good as they actually are. So I, I think the nerves were there. I, I think that you know they they put together a great defensive pattern. And, you know, it's he's just got to learn to pass out of double teams. <laughs> like that just that whole thing just fell over. So it was, you know, it was it was a bit depressing. After we, we got one half a game of good Randall out of the whole series, which was like the second half of the second game. And everybody went insane. They're like out the front of Madison Square Garden chanting, we want the Nets. There was just was out of control. I was sitting there. I was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa!" Like, we were destroying. We were destroying infrastructure. Um, oh, like COVID the disappeared off. from was, New York. It was yeah. I you know it's when that team is going like the whole city's going. And I was saying to you as well. I'm like, if the Nets win the championship, I was like, it'll be the saddest parade ever because <laughs> I was like everybody wants the Knicks to win so oh, you know man. it was it, it it was an awesome season the team should be really proud of themselves but there's there's some big challenges ahead in order to take it from a, a team that got kind of lucky that plays hard to a team that can genuinely compete but at least now you look at it and you say there's a solid base there mm. I think we're kind of where Brooklyn was a couple of years ago where you're you're turning yourself into a more attractive destination um, and whether those players stay around with you or you trade them off to basically get the pieces that you need. Um, I think there's, there's a good foundation there and, you know, it's looking a lot better than, than it was the day we signed Randall. I mean, you know, I mean, you, I remember that day and you sent me the message where you were like, Katie and Kyrie are going to Brooklyn and you have <laughs> Julius Randle, Taj Gibson and Reggie Bullock. And I was like, okay. <laughs> okay, it's not quite what we're after. And then Zion went somewhere else and you're like, okay, everything's, everything's gone bad. I think that was, I think that was probably the hardest moment being a Knicks fan because we just got our hopes up so much and then we're like because we all knew how competitive a team with katie and Kyrie mm. was gonna be huh. and, instant and you, contender yeah so you were just like we're back and then people convinced me we get zion i'm like we're gonna get these guys and this potential generational player it'll be amazing and and we we didn't get that so it's you know <laughs> but but rj barrett's developing pretty good but he, he's not gonna be you know, I don't think he's going to be first option on a championship team, but he, I think he's got potential to be a really, really good role player. So, you know, yeah. I, I think it was a, it was a solid draft. And look, let's hope the stability in the front office and Dolan keeping his, uh, keeping his thoughts to himself and his, in his mouth out of the press will actually, uh, you know, encourage some of the other players, potential free agents um, to go to New York. I think, you know, your salary cap situation is quite healthy mm. overall. You just hope that in the next couple of years when there's free agents, you can actually attract them um, to New York. I just, like off the top of my head, I can't think of sort of anyone in the top 10 right now who's sort of due to to move on from their team. I know that 
Dame isn't too happy in Portland, given the situation right now, they, they're changing the coach. So he'll have a massive say in that. And then do they move on from CJ, et cetera? So nothing sort of springs to mind immediately, but at least, hey, it's now a viable option, unlike the last few years. Yeah, I think Harden can get out after this season. Or right. Maybe after next, I think it's either this season or next season. Mm-hmm. But if you're after a superstar, somebody's got to force their way out of, of contract. So, um, yeah. Yeah. you know, I, I think that, you know, Harden, I think he ramped up how to get yourself traded off the, the team when you're the superstar to 11 this year. You know, it was, it was like fat Harden turning up <laughs> and, and it's like saying, I don't want to be here, calling his team trash in the press. And you just, you're like, that's, you know, it, it's, mm. well, it's an effective way to get out. If it wasn't, if he didn't make it terrible, they would, would never, never have traded him. Because seems- you, you never trade a Harden. Like, for you'll sure. always lose. So it's, you've got to make the situation so bad that keeping a superstar generational talent <laughs> is worse than whatever is going to be left afterwards. So it's, it, it is what it is. And, you know, amazingly, it seems like such a long time ago now as well in the scheme of things. Like no one even bats an eyelid at it now. It's like, yep, he wanted out, forced himself out. And, you know, fortunately, unfortunately, we're just going to see a lot more of that, I think. Um, moving forward um, and then we've spoken about this before about you know where where does the power rest and how do you find this this nice equilibrium between ownership and and the individual players I think we've spent a good amount of time on the next what do you reckon Eric? yeah no hey, I'm, I'm good I, I, you're this, good you got it yeah, out of your system uh, I've got it got it out of my system you know I'm, <laughs> it's you know it's it, we're, we're, we're on to bigger and better things, but there's some amazing and, and basketball hey, out there getting played look, now. since the start of this podcast you know, which has been like now a couple of years, we've never actually spoken about the Knicks and it's been a positive conversation. So no, I thought, it's everybody you know, usually, it's, just people, it's usually you, stuff you laugh at me about. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, giving you the A block um, on the first show back, I think sort of is a, is a good reward for, for the Knicks fans out there. But, mate, turning attention to the playoffs and the teams that remain and even the teams that have been eliminated, just what's been your general observations of the playoffs so far what stood out for you so i guess the 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 first big one that's kind of jumped out for me is that with this shortened season and the people who were successful in the bubble i don't think it's that surprising that they've all kind of done badly so if you look at the 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 western conference side of things like Denver's still there, but Jamal Murray's like tore a ligament. So it's like half of the Denver big two. The Lakers are out. The Heat like didn't even make it into the like the playoffs. They got eliminated at the play-in tournament. Or, or actually, no, they got um, into the play-in and then the Bucks destroyed, destroyed them. them. Sorry, <laughs> I, was, I was mixing it up. But they so they didn't do too well. Yeah, I mean, this season they they needed 72 games to get played so they could do their collective bargaining agreement properly. Yeah. And they wanted to try fit in the Olympics as well. So they kind of crunched it all together. And, you know, they all of those teams suffered injuries, haven't done well in the playoffs. I mean, it's probably a pretty good... Like, I think if you have a three-year span and you win one championship 
and you've got LeBron on your team, I don't know if satisfied is the right word, but it's not a failure. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that was one big thing was I think this turnaround and the pace at which everybody had to play this year to fit all the games in, um, I think that kind of hurt those big guys. So there's a, there's a lot of stars with injury worries, that, and it feels like, I don't know if it's just me, it feels like there's more at the moment. So I thought that was one big thing. Um, the, the next one was like the young guys coming through this year it feels like, okay, now the next generation is ready to basically pick it up and, and run with it. So yeah. it's like all of the, the young guys are looking great. Some of them we saw like the spark of it in the bubble last year, like Donovan Mitchell looked great in the bubble last year. Jamal Murray, even though he's injured, he looked fantastic in the bubble. Um, you know, you've got Devin Booker, even though they didn't get into the playoffs last year phoenix had that awesome run in the bubble and they had the best record of anybody in in the bubble even they didn't make it so the the young guys are coming through they look like they look like they feel like they belong there competing with all these big guys like there's no more um like nobody's Nobody on Phoenix is looking at AD and LeBron and looking starstruck. They're like, all right, we're taking it to these guys. So they've been, you know, they've just been fantastic. Look, I agree, Matt. I think it's definitely been sort of a passing of the torch type in a way, especially out West. Um, oh. I, know, I know Steph Curry was without Clay, and maybe with Clay he can make the playoffs. But then looking at the Phoenix team, looking at Utah, even looking at Denver and imagining they had Jamal Murray. I think it's definitely sort of we we've got next type situation. Mm. Um, you could say a bit of the same in Philly, um, except other than Brooklyn. I mean, we forget how young Giannis and even Embiid are in the scheme of things. That they've only been around for five six years, like actual you know fully formed players. Um, they just seem to be like they've been around for so for so long that we might club them in the Durant, um, you know, LeBron, Kyrie, Steph type um, group, but they're not. I think they're sort of closer to to this generation than not. With I think you know KD is sort of the standout right now in terms of the quote unquote old the guard that is absolutely insane. I mean, I, you've never seen anything like it, and he just sort of proving himself again and again, and and Kawhi sort of waking up after sort of game two uh, in that series with Dallas uh, and still saying, you know, he's still one of the best players in the world when he decides not to load manage, um, I guess. So, you know, seeing seeing that sort of passing of the torch, Booker stepping up, Donovan stepping up, Luca, my God, Luca just... Ridiculous. Oh, mate, <laughs> single-handedly carrying that Dallas team um, against the Clippers, and they, they need to find a solution to the Porzingis situation because apparently he's complaining that he's not a 1B and that's what he thought he would be. And I'm like, mate, well, you've been injured. You're not consistent. Um, you're not you're not aggressive enough for your size. So what are you expecting? He, he can he can barely move exactly. these days. Like his, his lateral movement is, is shot. And the, you know, he used to be a great presence in the paint like he was he was a fantastic shot blocker with uh, with the Knicks and he's just doesn't have the lateral movement or the vertical lift these days to to kind of be able to do that properly so I think if he 
is playing well. Like before he got injured in the bubble, when he was kind of hitting a bit of form, mm. they started to look pretty good. And you were looking at it going, okay, he's getting enough touches and he's getting his shots off and he's looking really good. And then he got that last injury and then he's never really quite looked the same since then. So I, I, I just don't know if he'll rehabilitate himself. I mean, I was, I was saying to you that it, that trade was the Porzingis trade with Hardaway Jr. thrown in. And now it feels like it's the Hardaway trade with Porzingis thrown in <laughs> on the side of it. Like, yeah. And and now you've got a guy who's going to get paid $100 million over the next three years. You've got two, two guaranteed and a player option. We all know, like, nobody says no to the player option when they've got this kind of injury history. 100%. So they've got $100 million over the next three years that they got to figure out what to do with. I don't know if anybody's crazy enough to take Porzingis mm. off their books. I mean, even like I know my like I know MJ likes like tall yeah. white dudes, <laughs> but I don't even think he's gonna take Porzingis. Even like, he won't go that far. Yeah, no, not even MJ. I mean, it's it it's kind of sad because even even though I was dirty when he left the Knicks. Mm. I kind of understood why he did it because we were we were like a mess at that point in time as an organization, and the him leaving it made perfect sense. Mm. And I was I was irritated because I thought he was going to go on and do some pretty impressive things, but now I just don't think that's going to happen for him. I think he's um, he's now this kind of contract albatross around around their neck and they've got to figure out how to how to move him because unless you want to pay you know ridiculous amounts of luxury tax mm. he's he's going to have to get taken off the books and i don't know quite how you do it agree and and just on 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 luca and then i don't think anyone expected him at that age to just really control the game on a string and know exactly what to do when to do it i think he can obviously be a, a bit of a better a free throw shooter it's funny someone put up a stat about him being a uh, you know steph curry from the three and Shaq from the free throw lines yeah <laughs> so um, yeah you know like there mate, was you... one game where he had like a higher percentage of threes than the free throw line yeah this... you look at it just go what exactly how? like how yeah. yeah no so i think definitely and especially given the position he plays and his size and his great touch shooting from the from the perimeter that he should be able to sort of clean that part of his game but otherwise you know assists rebounds he does it all he brings everyone into the game very smart player and yeah and strong and, too oh, yes. it's like it's you I don't, I don't know why maybe it's his face he looks like he's a little kid yeah, it's like but a little... then yeah you look like he was like oh luke is out here and you're like yeah. oh damn he just really smashed pat beverly pat beverly oh. i was like that's not like that is not gonna think, work at yeah, all no beverly's scarred from that i reckon He's, Absolutely. He's, he's big. He's deceptively quick as yes. well. And he's, he knows how to use his body to put defenders in awkward positions. It's like he's so complete mm. as, a, mm. as an offensive player. That's, and that's the scary thing about his free throw shooting. Can you imagine if he was an 80% free throw shooter? Like what, what do you do with that? Like there's – it's – like you better hope they don't get Porzingis off the books. Like yeah. you get him a decent number two, and that that guy is gonna be that guy's gonna be yeah. scary. So it's uh, he's one of those guys. Him and Durant at the like when they're on, you just look at it and go, I don't even know what you do with that. 
like it's it's ridiculous. I saw Kevin Durant's shooting stats for the playoffs this year. He's over 50 from the field, over 40 from the three-point line, and he was like 92% um, on free throws. throws. Ridiculous. Yeah, and 50% of his shots are contested because they know they can't leave him alone. So he's doing this shooting over people. It's it's just ridiculous. Like I was was watching him. Yeah, and on on defense, he like I saw him block Brooke Lopez the other day. I was like, <laughs> which, and I, I was texting you saying, when did Brooke Lopez forget how to play center? I was like, as good as Durant is, he should not be blocking a center. No. I was I like, can you imagine him trying to block Embiid? How do you think that's gonna go? <laughs> I was like, that's how you play like a center. So yeah, I reckon Lopez getting a bit heavy on the on the feet there as well. So not getting quite the lift he used to. But, mate, speaking of um, Luca and the guy he got traded for on, on draft night, really, so Trey Young and the Hawks, um, you know, it's still game one from Philly. It, it's one all because Embiid is an absolute genius and um, we, we both love him. And Philly was my pick at the start of the of the season to come out um, before the whole Nets-Harden um, thing, but clearly they're looking good without Harden. But just your quick thoughts on the Philly-Hawks series and who do you who do you see coming out of, out of that? You know, I, I I keep flip-flopping on this one. So there's, I haven't seen a period of the game where they both seem to be playing really well. It's like one guy is thrashing the other team. Like there's no, like they're both playing well and one guy gets the upper hand. It's like, I'm going to go on a 14-point run. And then they turn around and say, well, this quarter, I'm going to go on a 20-point run. And the the Hawks are just playing out of their minds at the moment. Like it's it's ridiculous. And the Philly bench is playing really bad. They scored zero points in the first half in the last game. Uh, like nobody on the bench got a bucket. And if Embiid wasn't just a freak of nature, then that game probably would have looked terrible. But um, and, and if Shake if Shake Milton didn't come out and just wreck people in the second half, that was that was, that was a intense. Yeah, it was Jeez. awesome. But, but you know what? That's the sort of home home game you want your sort of peripheral players to have like you know they give you that little lift that you won't get away from home but it's yeah it's a bit concerning that you need it though given how well they started the game and then they got into a situation where you wanted him to get on a run and then sort of they blew it out of the water um makes me you know a bit worried about what's going to happen when they're when they're in atlanta yeah i i think that the Atlanta team is a pretty well put together team. At the start of the year, I was looking at it thinking these guys should be an absolute lock for playoffs. It like I think they they put together a pretty good team with some pretty solid depth. And remember they had Rondo at one stage. Yeah, I mean they mm. and they they traded him because he just couldn't get like he couldn't get things going there. Um, and part of that was just. You know, it's it's difficult when you've got you're a point guard and and Trey is the other point guard, and he was mm. also having a fantastic scoring season. I mean, I think the the only Achilles heel that I think Atlanta have is that they've they're like a they're really a one man show. Like mm. they go as Trey goes. Like nobody else can kind of pick things up. Whereas I think with Philly, even though they haven't shown it against Atlanta, 
Tobias can explode. Mm. Um, you know, ben Simmons can have a, a good game. He's, he's been a little bit out of sorts, but he's also got, he's had a last game, didn't score a lot of points, but he had Trey as a defensive assignment. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I was like, well, you're probably not going to get him strong at both ends of the floor if he's got to chase that guy around. So, um, but he's so active. And, and, you know, just on, sorry, just on Ben, um, and I know he cops a lot of a lot of flack for his shooting or lack thereof, etc. But you know, I was watching that game, and the number of times he sort of picked up the pace, you know, acknowledging what's happening and not settling for quote unquote the playoff sort of basketball. Oh, we have to just walk the ball up the court and play mid court. It's like no, mate. If your game is transition, well, take the ball out of the net and just run it up, and then get Seth Curry open for shots. Get Tobias going. I think. Tobias started the game six for seven shooting or something like that to, uh, to really get him going. And then you've got Seth, try to get a few from Danny Green and then Joel will always do his thing. And and then, yeah, you get you get the number one guard on the other team and you're six, nine and, and long. You're going to make life, you know, insanely difficult for them. And the beauty is he's actually happy to play that role. Like he's not, he doesn't complain about it. And, he, you know, he doesn't sort of, you know, shy away from it. So... I think he sometimes cops a bit too much but for the lack of shooting, but I think he makes it up in other areas. And, you know, speaking of, of on the Hawks, he, Bogdan, uh, you know, Bogdanovich, who was meant to go to um, to Milwaukee, if you to remember, Milwaukee. at one stage. I remember one yeah. of our last pods, we thought that trade had happened, but it actually fell through and the Hawks benefited. And then Gallinari was actually hitting from everywhere um, well, against Philly. Yeah, they've... Like their their guys are hitting shots and their their role players are doing a really good job. Like I I don't think the ultimate ceiling for a lot of their role players is that high, but they're all playing near it. Yeah. Like everybody's like they're all in form at the right time. Whereas like with Philly, they're they're up, they're down, they're hot, they're cold. I I, I think this Atlanta game is going to be really interesting. I think it's going to be really hard for them. Um, and if you're struggling to shut these guys down, when you hit the nets, I'm just assuming mm. the nets are going to finish off the, the Bucs. Because yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know what you do. Like, if, if I'm the Bucs, I'm like, I don't, I don't actually know if they've got the pieces to slow that team down in, in any way. And Without Harden as well. Yeah, without Harden as well. I mean, it's and you know, and they don't have Lamarcus Aldridge. Like he had to retire, mm-hmm. um, and like the reanimated corpse of Blake Griffin. I'm like, where the <laughs> hell's this guy been? I mean, the, the last game was just ridiculous yep. because it's you know, Katie and Kyrie were great, but all the Nets were smashing them. Like Blake's dropping threes from like a meter behind the line, mm. and you just like, what do you what do you do when Blake Griffin starts dropping fire on you? You just like, what what on earth do I do? He's back dunking from above the rim again. You're just like, where like where's this guy been? I was saying to you, I'm like, Detroit need to go ask him for, to get some <laughs> money back because this isn't the same. That's not the, the player they traded. And no. And, and I get it because, you know, a guy who has had as many injury worries over the years as Blake Griffin, he's not going to walk properly, like, when his career is over. Mm. 
And it's easier to say, I'm going to push myself because I might win a championship than I'm going to push myself to finish last <laughs> for the Detroit Pistons and probably have to tank the last half of the season because we, we want to get up in the draft. So I, I get why he's looking better, but this much better is, is ridiculous. So it's, you know, that, that team has somehow, even though they've never been able to put the same team on the court for the extended periods of time all season, they were just like cycling through injuries mm. and they hit the playoffs and Katie's just like, everybody get on my back, watch this. And you're like, I, I, I don't even know what you do with it. Just it's, his handles, like crossing over Giannis and, and getting his shots is just, oh. His arm okay. is so long. long. Like the, the distance that's moving on a crossover, <laughs> it's just like, what do you, you've got to completely recalibrate things. He, he's got such an awesome feel for where the other guy's weight is. So it's like he doesn't just beat you. He makes you look stupid and he does like things right in your face. And there's, you, I don't know what you do with it. I don't know how you close that guy down. If you focus too much on him, Kyrie could easily put 50 on you. It's, and they've got like Harris is out there. He's, I think he's got the highest three point percentage of anybody in the league this year. The the team's just plain ridiculous. I mean, I I don't know what the Bucks do to get back in this series. Um, Mate. like I mean, you could kind of say, look, play big. Like you're really big. Why aren't you playing big? Like why aren't you like playing physical? But they, I don't know. It's like they got sucked into the pace of the nets like when we were watching the first quarter the other day we're like this is so quick like this is this is too quick they can't keep this up but the nets are so efficient they probably can whereas the bucks threes weren't dropping and they just kept like running down jacking up another three and like trying to keep pace and if you're not hitting them KD and Kyrie and Harris are going to hit them so you're just basically speeding up how fast you go under and you know, I don't know if they can kind of, it's almost like you need to philosophically change the way you're choosing to play this team. And I don't know if you can rewire the way you play within the playoff series. Like you can make small adjustments, but you can't change the whole scheme. Look, like for me, three things for uh, Milwaukee, you know, to varying degrees, some they control, some they don't. One thing they don't control is that they're not very deep. Right, and they lost Di, Di Vincenzo to um to injury, and you know he doesn't seem like much, but he's a, a bundle of energy, and he can make some shots. And they actually just just don't run very deep as a team. They rely on their five players to play really well, which brings me to the second point, and that's Chris Middleton. He just needs to step up. Like it's just not good enough. There's no one on the Nets team that is good enough defensively to shut him down the way he's been shut down. And his shooting percentage is terrible. And he's just sort of seems a little bit disengaged as a result. So he needs to step up and be that that second guy and just be himself. I'm not asking him to become a Kyrie type to Durant. Just be Chris Middleton like you were against Miami and take advantage. This Nets team is not very good defensively, mm. which comes to the third point of Giannis. Mate, do not take mid-range shots when Blake Griffin is defending you. Just back him the hell down 
and just dunk over his head. Like you, he cannot stop you. You are bigger, you're faster, you're stronger. You can jump higher. And if anything, you'll get him into foul trouble very quickly. And they'll need to bring on DeAndre Jordan. And all of a sudden, you remove like a one of the cogs that can move for that team. And I just don't understand why he keeps settling for that stupid shots, like you know, fifteen feet and and more. Yeah, like Blake Griffin at this stage of his career should not be getting double-digit rebounds in the playoffs against a championship contender. Yeah, the like the it's I don't he's just too nice. It's like I've never seen him elbow anybody in the face. Like that doesn't sound (laughs) nice, but have like when sometimes you just gotta you know you you have to sometimes Mm -hmm. like there's there's times where like. And, you know, you probably get a tech and maybe get thrown out. But there's times where I watch point guards where they're just like, oh, I'm just going to waltz into the paint. And I was one of the things I was watching inside the, the NBA the other day and Shaq was like, if Trey did that to me, I'd put him on his ass. And I was like, yes. I was like, this is this is an important part of it because exactly. it makes them think it could happen. You don't have to hit him every time. But I like Giannis is in some ways the most physically like potentially physically dominating guy that's in the NBA right now. I think it's like him and it's Embiid. Like mm. Embiid's just got that size and that that weight, but Giannis has that extra kind of step of speed and you just get that length and momentum and size and he he doesn't play big. He's not utilizing it, mate. Yeah, I was just like, look, I'm like, just, you know, just sly elbow, like, like <laughs> not even in the face, in the ribs. Yeah. I was like, like, use your body to clear out some space for yourself. Um, I I think, like, I agree with you. I think the, the key is you've got to play Blake Griffin off the court because mm-hmm. if if you get DeAndre on there you will wreck that guy like that that guy there's there's nothing left if you can force him back into the game I'm like you're, you're like you'll make it work. and and you know and the only reason I mean it's funny now we say you know Griffin is such a key but he's playing up to to that level and so you have to respect it from that perspective um but Giannis really should be just taking advantage of the mismatch and the only reason that works Eric is because Harden's not playing Right. Mm. And, you know, Harden got injured within the first minute of the first game. So um, it's funny to say this, but you're only having to worry about Durant and Kyrie, yeah, which are going to get theirs. And so you have to stick to your defensive, um, uh, you know, personality a little. Um, you've got really good individual defenders on that team. Giannis is a former, you know, defensive player of the year, former MVP, obviously. Middleton's a great defender. Drew Holiday is a really Drew good Holiday defender. Is solid. So, you know, you have to start sort of, you know, going back to those basics and then just play bully bully basketball where you can. I know you're not very good on the free throw line, but just get him into foul trouble anyway, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, by playing aggressive because otherwise, mate, this is going to be over in a, in a, in a hurry. And, and if they get swept or they lose 4-1, uh, first of all, Coach Bud is gone. Like, good on hers. Mm-hmm. I, won't, won't, I don't think he'll, he'll survive um, an exit like that and two they have to really now that they've given Giannis a super max and, and they're tied to him they have to really think about how do we build a team around this guy because you know five six years in your deficiencies are your deficiencies and you just have to learn to to play within them right so if that's who he is and he still is a superstar he still does things that no one else can do on a court uh, except 
when it comes to to playoff basketball, he's not winning a championship with this team. So how do you surround him with pieces that actually properly stretch the floor, properly um, stretch the defense so that he can go and cut and, and make his moves, et cetera, uh, to, and get to the basket uh, because otherwise it's going to be like you know a massive massive salary that's going to hang over Milwaukee for a while uh, and then again similar to the Harden thing if he forces his way out they're getting peanuts back um, and oh. I know it sort of sounds like doom and gloom but it's it's getting there now quickly with these guys ever since they they lost that two 0 lead in in the Eastern Conference uh, uh, Finals I think it was um, a couple of years back they've just never been able to. To, to overcome that. And we thought maybe they turned the leaf with the Miami series, but but clearly they haven't. So, you know, watch, watch this space there. And just very quickly, um, in the West, um, anything stands out to you? Like, you know, Phoenix today, again, just completely just run over Denver. Does Denver have any answers um, to, to, to the Booker and, and, and Chris Paul, mate, 15 assists, zero turnovers, and just again, another stop, another amazing Chris Paul experience. Are we are we finally going to see him, you know, get what he deserves, hopefully, and, and not be injured and and finally, you know, make make a finals potentially? Yeah, look, I Phoenix has surpassed my expectations. I, I wondered if they were going to be a really solid regular season team and then fall over a bit in the playoffs. But um, DeAndre Ayton has stepped up massively. Booker is, you know, he is taking that next step up. And Chris, Chris Paul is just, you know, the basketball savant. Like he had 50, it was, like he was saying, he had 15 assists, no turnovers today. He's the first person to do that three times in the playoffs. So it's not like this is an unusual thing for him. Like this is, this is who he is when he's healthy. So that team is is really good. The the young guys are playing well. And even though Chris Paul hasn't won that championship, he's super experienced and he'll just keep them level-headed. He's he's a guy who, when he was available, I wanted the Knicks to get him because I'm like, this is a guy who you can bring in and he sets great standards with young guys about what's expected. And he has been, he's been sensational. I'm like, I love him. I know he irritates the hell out of, <laughs> out of everybody. I mean, he'll, his like mouth to height ratio has to be the biggest in the entire NBA. He's always talking. He's always irritating people. I, I forget who he was playing, but they, they went to have a, a huddle to talk about what they were going to do next. And Chris Paul just went and like joined in and stood in the huddle. And then they started talking, realized he was there and like chased him off. But that's the sort of stuff he does. He gets in there, he gets underneath your skin and he understands the game really, really well. As, as far as pure point guards go, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, shooting guards masquerading as point guards now because they want to put two shooting guards on the floor um but he's he's got to be like top five of the pure guys like magic is probably clearly better Isaiah Thomas maybe yeah Zeke is probably is is probably like and then maybe Stockton maybe but then Mm -hmm. you're in straight up debate territory so he he is an all-time great pure point guard um I just I hope he hangs together physically because I think he he makes them a team that I think well well I'm not sure anybody's got anything for the Nets 
like if they keep playing at the level that they're at, I think Phoenix could make it competitive. Mm. Uh, I think that DeAndre Ayrton is the way he's playing. He's not going to let Blake like rest easy at the back, get easy rebounds. He's he, you know, watching him against Anthony Davis. I'm like, all right, this guy, this guy knows how good he is now. Mm. And he feels like he belongs playing at the highest level. He is going to be a handful for anybody. So I I kind of want them in Utah to go through because I want to watch him against Gobert. Like I want, mm. I want to see that matchup. I'm like, that's a that's an interesting matchup that that I'd like to see. But you know, the the Clippers are they're a bit of an enigma. Like I think the the team that played game six and seven against the Mavericks, I was like, that team could come out of the West. But that team turns up two games out of seven. Yeah, sometimes so like, just like a few quarters. and <laughs> Yeah, they can't. Like, and like, I don't, I've never trusted Paul George to be consistent in the playoffs. Um, he he's really hot and cold. Like, he'll do really badly, but I wouldn't be surprised if he went out and he scored 40 like tomorrow, like that wouldn't surprise me either. But I just think that Kawhi's body won't let him go hard for for four games in a row. I, I think he's got to pick and choose his moments. And, and I think that's why you see him looking a bit disengaged for quarters here and there, because he knows he can't kind of step on it the whole time. He's got to measure it out. But as soon as it looked like, hey, we might lose this thing, like Kawhi turns up and you're like, all right, I forgot how good this guy was. Mm. I've been like doubting him. And then like the, the game six against the Mavs, that was a ridiculous game. Like it was one of the best two-way games I've ever seen. Like I'd, I'd have to think really hard about when's the last time I saw a guy play a, a playoff game as a two-way player that is as good as that one. It was, it was amazing. So, but he can't do it every game. Just very quickly, any of the NBA awards surprise you this season, especially like, you know, really the key ones. So Tibbs, I think for me, was a bit bit surprising. I'll be honest. I thought maybe Monty might might win that in Phoenix. But the knock was that, you know, I've been, you know, listening and reading up in the media in in the States. And the knock was uh, maybe Phoenix was Chris Paul's team and not Monty Williams' team, whereas the Knicks are Tibbs' team you know, quite clearly they're sort of in his mold. That's probably for me the one that was a complete shock. The defensive player of the year, I was really keen on Ben winning it, but I think, you know, I don't really have much of a gripe with Rudy getting that. I think Jordan Clarkson was a no-brainer. I think Julius was a no-brainer. You know, the Knicks with two um awards um this season. Uh, and then the, the big fella Jokic I thought had a had a fantastic um, um, season and how where Denver finished uh, as well and he was just amazing and also after Jamal went down just carrying that load I think he's one of the very few stars if, if you're not the only one that did not miss a single game all year yeah. and, and carried the load so well and he's such a joy to watch um, you know his passing is ridiculous like and gorgeous it, it just feels doubly ridiculous because he's so big mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like like a point it's, he's a point center like that's that's just yeah. weird. Uh, and it's the, I've never seen anything quite like it before. Mm. And it's, um, I'm kind of hoping that Europe serves up some more of these guys oh, because sure. you're, you're like, it's the, the European big men have always been 
really kind of skilled. Like the US guys were big, they were physical, paint presence, like they'd bang with you, but they were kind of, they were blunt tools a lot of the time. Like Shaq, as great as Shaq was, he was a sledgehammer. Like there wasn't a lot of finesse there. But then like you go back and you look at Powell, like a lot of finesse there, like Mark, even like Marcus at his peak, a lot of finesse there. So you look at these, you look at these European guys and you're like, man, they're coming in big, but they've been playing the skills game all the way since they were a kid. It wasn't like mm-hmm. you're like, oh, you're big, you're tall, you're strong, you're gonna play the five. Yeah. Now look, it's I, I agree. I think they add a great dimension. And you know, it's not just the the European guys. I even look at someone like Embiid and even um um Hakeem the Dream Olajuwon back in the day and you know, both guys out of Africa and amazing finesse players as well. I think Embiid's got amazing touch for his size. And obviously the dream, you know, that's why they call it the dream shake, right? Just a super skilled uh, player. And I think yesterday, Robert Horry was on a podcast and he got asked who was better between um, Hakeem and Shaq. And he said, no, Hakeem was a better player. Just Shaq was more more dominant. And I think that's entirely fair. And, and, you know, Jokic, it's also, I think, maybe a – a body structure issue because he's even though now he's the fittest I've ever seen him. He still dunking, looks a bit super dumpy. He still <laughs> looks a bit too big, and he's got that big ass there that he he tries to back people with. But he doesn't seem like someone who can lift much or or get off the ground. So you got to find yeah. ways to to impact the game um, beyond your athleticism. I think that's it. I mean, the he's the first big man to win it since Shaq won it in two thousand, um, and I think we. I've raged to you heaps of times where it's like everybody's shooting threes and people are like, oh, the sense, like the big man's dead. I'm like, no, he's he's not. We just, we're, you just haven't been building him right. Because mm. like Hakeem's the one I always pointed to. You cannot tell me that the dream would not wreck the NBA today. Oh, you kidding? The way he moves, he could shoot the three, he could like guard small guys, he could move on the perimeter. He was exactly what you needed a center in today's game to be. Mm. And I was like, you just look at that guy and his post game. And I'm like, that is the modern center. It's Mm. just, we haven't, like everybody got obsessed with threes and we it's almost like they stopped developing the the big guys and like how they should play it's they weren't dead but they had to change because the game changed the pace changed the rules changed but that didn't mean they couldn't be effective and now watching like now watching Embiid like he was he was chasing Trey Young along the three point line and he got a turnover out of him. Mm, I'm like, and that's yeah. your center. I was yeah. like, that's that is what the modern center is, the where they can kind of play and, anywhere defensively. Yeah. And and you know, like obviously given his size, it's not something he can do um for an entire game, but even having, you know, on the last possession, for example, between the Jazz and the Clippers, you know, Gobert was all the way on the on the three-point corner there, um, protecting Morris's um, shot, and he got a block out of it um, mm. as well, right? So they can definitely stretch a lot more. They can't do it, obviously, as, as long as the guards can. But that's there. And I think, you know, once, like you told me um, some time back when we were discussing this, if no one is going to be playing center properly, all you need to find is one or two centers that are really good, and they're going to completely dominate the game because... Yeah. 
as much as everyone likes the three, the easiest way to score is still to dunk the bloody ball. And if you've got a center who can make a move to get there, well, they're going to win it every time. And like, and I think that's what Embiid is turning into at the moment. Mm. Like, I don't think anybody can stop him. Like, there was one play where, like, Clint Capella dunked it on Embiid and then immediately he just came back, smashed him out of the way and dunked it at the Did other Did you see end. that shoulder into the chest? It just, yeah. boom. And you're just like, that's it. That That is how you want a big man to play. You want them to play big. You want, I love how aggressive he is. I love how enthusiastically he plays the game. He always looks engaged. Like it's, it's just awesome. And, and if he didn't get injured, I think he would have been MVP this year. Um, yeah. He's like, every time you ask me, I was like, who do you think MVP will be this year? I'm always like Embiid. It'll be, I, I like, was... this is the year. This is the year that yeah. Embiid does it. But, you know, I, it's you know maybe it doesn't kind of pan out for him, but I I see the standard he's playing mm. at, and I'm like this this is a guy that if he can hold it together long enough, he'll he'll change the game because people like what we were just talking about where you have to bring in big guys to guard him mm. because if you and finding somebody as big and athletic is going to be hard. So you might just see some big heavy guys in there who can just kind of get in the way. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, we've got, we've got, we've got some really great talent at the five now, which is awesome. It's awesome, man. And look, either way, it was going to be a center, I think this year um, to win it. I definitely think Embiid had an MVP caliber season. He just couldn't have enough of those games because of the injury and the sort of, again, crossing crossing fingers toes and everything else that that meniscus holds up for the entirety of the playoffs and you know philly was my pick out of the east um at the time the start of the season lakers was my pick out of the west but we all know what happened there we don't have time to get into it now i'm sticking with philly for now um until they they added the the series with, with the hawks on the west side i think it's actually a lot more even um than it looks but i think phoenix looks like the best to come out. What's what's your take on on both? Who are you going with the East? Who are you going with the West? Now that we're sort of a, a series into the playoffs, I so I'm I'm with you in the West. I've I've got Phoenix coming out of the West, assuming everybody stays healthy. Mm. Um, I just think that the 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 way they're playing, and they've got a guy in Chris Paul who I think can just keep that team settled. I, I don't think the, I don't think Kawhi is healthy enough to carry that team through. Like, like they might get through their next one. I don't think they'll be able to get through another one after that. I just think the standard Phoenix is playing at is is too high, and I just think the the Joker doesn't have Jamal, so he can't. Mm. I don't I don't think he'll get past Phoenix. No, so MJP think... man. Um, sorry, MPJ. I always get his name wrong. So MPJ just is too hot and cold. So yeah, not, that's can't be a you know a proper second yeah, second option. That's the, that's it. He's he's a, he's a third he's a third guy. He's a guy who can blow out a game every now and then, but he won't be consistently out there getting you kind of twenty five like every single time, like like a rhythm. So I think he's I think he's going to you know I, th- I think that team is is not going to make it. Um, so I think Phoenix coming out of the West. I, I think the the Nets are coming out of the East. It's what they're. It's just because I, I look at it, and I'm like, I don't. I want Philly. I was saying to you before, I'm like, I want 
Philly. My heart is with Philly. I want them to come out because I don't like this team that's been randomly put together and they traded out all these other pieces. And I, I don't, I don't want them to win. <laughs> I want, I want a team that that tanked for years and went through a whole process to to build. Um, I want them to be the ones that win. So I'm with you, man. I I hope that happens. I hope um, Milwaukee's defense picks up to slow them down. Um, and I hope that you know Philly can sort of make make it happen in the next round, beat the Hawks, and and make a series out of it. And I think you know your your dog is telling us yeah. that it's time to go. Yeah. <laughs> um, he is cracking it, mate. Thanks uh, so much for this. It's been awesome to to get it up and running again. And uh, now we'll um, we'll make sure that we we stay we stay tuned to for the entirety of the playoffs to see how it goes. Absolutely. Awesome. Thanks, everyone, for listening in. Please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, Mo and Friends Force Podcast, and we'll catch you soon.